Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 102 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to do a quick race review of the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners welcome to episode 102 hello ryan hello Liddy. how's it going doing well we're Liddy and Ryan, and we have a weekly marathon running podcast, and welcome if you're new, and thank you for tuning back in if you've been listening for a while. As you know, we bring you the experts on things such as training, nutrition, and every once in a while, we do a race recap, and this episode is one of those race recap episodes. I ran the Oklahoma City Memorial Half Marathon last weekend, and as half. I- Yes, half. What happened? I chose to switch my bib from a full to a half uh, race morning, I guess. Or I guess I had to switch it after the race because <laughs> I just um, ran the half marathon. You switched the bib after the race? Yeah, I ran with a full bib. And afterwards, I tried to find the race tent to tell them that I had uh, downgraded. It was like the walk of shame, Ryan, trying to find them. Why did you do that? Because... Of a few reasons. Well, first of all, I was going into this race wanting to do it just for fun. Anyway, I had just recently raced the Paris Marathon on April 3rd. So this was just two or three weeks afterwards. And then also did the race had to be delayed by an hour because of uh, precautions for the weather. And then that kind of put me in a place where I had a little bit of a conflict with checkout time. So Obviously, if I really wanted to run the full marathon, I would have made it work. But given that it was a somewhat hilly course and it was windy, I decided I'm just going to really run it for fun and did the half marathon. So this is half a recap. This is half a recap. That's right. (laughs) So what's the significance of Oklahoma for you? So I actually moved to the United States and my first place of entry or point of entry, as we say in the immigration law world, was Oklahoma City. That's where I lived starting age 17 through, I think, 21. Um, I did my last two years of high school in Oklahoma City and then went to college there, too. It's tough to think of a point of entry being Oklahoma is like in the center of the United States. But I guess any international airport is a point of entry, right? That's right. Well, actually, technically, my point of entry was Miami because I landed in Miami first, so I misspoke with that. Yeah. So yeah. So um. So that's the significance of Oklahoma. I still have some very good friends, and I have family there. So, you know, thinking about that race kind of feels like coming home in a way because I spent you know four or five years as a teenager slash young adult there, 
and it's always nice to go back and visit. So you went and visited friends. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. I stayed with my cousin, and I spent the day with her. I got in uh, Friday, no, Thursday night, technically Friday morning at 1 a.m., and then spent the whole day with her walking through the city and just seeing how massively the city has grown. It's nothing like it was in the early 2000s. But anyway, so yeah, um, went to some breweries, went and had dinner, walked around, and, and again, you know, checked out the town that has grown so massively. So 10 out of 10 race, which they all are. <laughs> um, but you think other people that don't come from Oklahoma would enjoy it? I think so because I feel like this race almost feels like a one of those world major marathons. The amount of attention to detail and probably also money they pour into organizing this race makes it super nice. The swag is nice. The expo is nice. Even the bib was really nice because uh, I don't know if you know about the significance of where this memorial marathon comes from. All right. So 1995 was a domestic terrorism attack by two individuals who decided to bomb the federal building downtown, killing 168 people. Amongst those were 19 children because on the second floor of the federal building was a daycare. So Oklahoma did a really, really great job of keeping the memorial grounds there and making them really pretty. They have a memorial museum and they really make a big effort to not let people forget. So it goes as far as having 168 seconds of silence at the beginning of the marathon, which, um, you know, everything is tied around that. Um, and, and the reason I brought that up was because the survivor tree is on their bib because it's a big symbol of, of it and how we can survive anything and come together as a nation and, you know, a city, a state of Oklahoma. So if you run the marathon, you can go have a history lesson and see what happened. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, the expo was close to the memorial, so it's literally in walking distance. And so it's kind of cool that you can go there, you can look at the museum, you can look at the memorial and really learn something. So how is the course? Well, I guess we can get into that. So um, you can talk about your favorite part. The expo. Mm-hmm. Yes, I loved the expo. The expo was big. It was downtown. It was just big enough to have enough vendors there that had really cool merchandise. I actually purchased two things this time. Um, I bought a bag with a magnet, a koala bag that you can tuck into your pants. Uh, so you don't have to carry your, you know, whatever you carry, your keys, your, your phone, with you. I usually stuff it in my sports bra, but I thought maybe I'll give this a try. I haven't tried it yet because I didn't want to try something new on race day. And then I also bought a pair of shoes because they had a significant discount. Um, you know me, I'm not a impulse buyer. So I checked out the shoes. They are Hoka's Bondi X and I tried them on and then I walked away and I tried to find the price online and the price online was significantly higher. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to get them at the expo. Sucker for a sale. Sucker for a sale. But I mean, it's running shoes, right? I, I literally can't find them anywhere for the price that I found them um, through the OKC runners. They had a expo discount. <laughs> you got to buy it. You can't afford not to. 
That's a really terrible statement, to be honest. I'm joking. You can never, you should never say can't afford not to. That's <laughs> terrible. And that's just talking about investments or something. That's a terrible statement. <laughs> so anyway, so then besides the swag and the items that you could buy, they also had my most favorite part at the expo was actually the running legends. So they had a panel of speakers that they invited, which included Dick Beardsley, John Bonet, Samuelson, Bill Rogers, uh, Marco Chestio, and Bart Yasso. Bart Yasso couldn't make it, but it was just amazing to talk to these runners. These are all world-class runners from the 80s and 70s, and uh, Mark Chesito is from the 2011. He's actually the world record holder for a double amputee. Um, so it was really inspiring to hear them speak and also kind of people watch the running community realize how fast these people back in the 80s used to run. And for me, I got um, my own taste of it when I was running the half marathon course and no other than Jean Benet Samuelson sped by me at her now 65 years of age running a one hour and 33 minute half marathon. So you sat down and had a chat with some of these people? Yes, I sat down actually with, with all of them. And chatted for a while. I had my coach, Ron Tav, who's another running legend, uh, on the phone. And then I passed the phone to them because he wanted to speak with them. So then I was kind of hostage to the situation because I couldn't walk away without my phone. <laughs> but it was cool. They were all super nice and humble and just really inspiring. And just to think that they ran these paces with their regular shoes without running watches and all the stuff that we now swear by. It's kind of crazy. I always think it's cool that, you know... Although these, we went through this before, but I think it's cool that although these devices are like new and technologically advanced, it, it hasn't really changed the running speeds all that much with the marathon. So true. So after that, you had your carb loading dinner? Yes, I carb loaded as if I were going to run a full marathon. <laughs> yeah, because you were planning on it at that point, right? At that point, I was planning on it. But then guess what, Ryan? What? During dinner, all of a sudden, the tornado sirens went off and we opened our phones that were, you know, doing that automatic scream that they do nowadays that say, take shelter, take shelter. And there was a tornado coming straight towards uh, us downtown. Where were you when the warnings came through? I was at a restaurant. Where'd you go? Um, I forgot the name of it. It was a restaurant. No, no. Where'd you go in the warnings? Like oh, I mean, I just kind of hung out. Um... I was, did you take cover? I, I didn't. I mean, I did for a minute in the bathrooms, but then my cousin was there and she's, you know, connected with a <laughs> meteorologist who was telling her that it was maybe not going to come exactly towards us. So we were just trying to calm down these kids at the restaurant because they were there for their senior prom and they're all so cute and dressed in all these dresses. And it was so sad to see the girls cry for their moms. So we were trying to jump in and uh, kind of help out a little bit with that. So they were on their way to prom. Yes, they were at the restaurant eating and then confused about where to go afterwards. And they couldn't reach their parents because they were from that high school where the tornado was going through. Um, so we were just trying to calm them down. <laughs> Did they end up getting to prom? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, eventually they left and um, I left and went back to the hotel. So after that excitement and the carb loading time, you went to sleep? 
Well, I got a message from the Memorial Marathon that the starting time of the Memorial Marathon was delayed by an hour, which kind of planted the seed in my head of, do I really want to run the full marathon or <clears throat> is the half marathon going to be enough for me? So you already decided before waking up? No, I decided when I was walking towards the starting line. Actually, I decided after the first mile. And that's when I texted my cousin and I said, half only, see you there. Because she was coming for the finish line. <laughs> so I started it and, uh, you know, I don't remember Oklahoma City much from a running perspective because back then I didn't run. And so I didn't realize it was so much of rolling hills and it was a little bit windy. So, you know, I figured I just ran the Paris Marathon. I'm just going <laughs> to take it a little bit easier. So, yeah, I was going to get into that, too. So you came to the marathon, you walked to the marathon, you decide you're going to do the half. You texted your cousin to come meet you in half the time. Yes. And so then, yeah, so... How was the course? You said it was hilly. The course it was, was cool. It had a lot of course support. A lot of people came out. But, you know, just compared to what I'm used to here in Pancake Flat, Florida, it was hilly. Um, a lot of ups and downs. And I I got tired running that. Um, and, you know, I tried to hold a certain pace. But then I decided I'm just going to enjoy it. I barely looked at my watch until, like I said, I saw John Bonet running past me. She was running past me at mile maybe around four or five. She was running a 7.15 pace, which I was running at that point too. And then I guess I slowed down and she <laughs> sped up. She kept going. She kept going and got faster. So you like the course? Yes. Not, I liked a, it. not a fast course that people want to make a record time? I mean, I guess you can if you're used to this type of terrain. For me personally, I prefer, I mean, just a little bit of a more flatter race. Or next time, if I want to PR on that course, I would prepare better and incorporate some hills, which I guess for us means bridge runs. Was I, there music in the race? There was music. There was a DJ. I was listening to my own music. My favorite moment was being passed by Jean Benet Samuelson on the course and recognizing this is a Olympian that is now 65 and she's flying by me. That's a good memorable experience. Yeah. And then I met her afterwards. I ran into her. She was on the same flight back from Oklahoma City to Atlanta with me. And I talked to oh, her cool. for much longer. And I found out that she had just gotten done knee surgery and that she was only running, you know, three times a week and that her longest runs was maybe two 13 milers or something like that. I mean, something that... You know, my PR for half marathon is a 134, and she just did a 133 at 65 years of age with practically no training. So that just kind of blew my mind. She's been well-conditioned over the years, though, I'm sure, to be fast. But so, any other memorable experiences in the first half? Um, The first half of the half? Uh <laughs> first half of the half, exactly. <laughs> no, not really. It's a beautiful course, Ryan. Okay, that's good. So what about the second half, besides the finish? Not not including the finish. Um, I mean, it's okay again, if you don't have any. Just, just seeing a lot of spectators. I've been listening to the podcast of the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon, which they have their own podcast. So I kind of knew what to look for, and I 
they did a great job of interviewing communities and I knew that there were certain groups of people going to be on the course as volunteers and seeing what they had talked about was really kind of cool. Can you give an example? For example, the Asian district, the, I forgot the name of it, the dragon that they do. Um, I saw that. So that was really cool to see because, you know, I'd heard the, the main guy of the community talk about it and then, then I saw it. So they did a great job, good effort, and it was awesome. Any other ones? Nope, that's it. I don't know, right? <laughs> the whole thing was cool. That's fine. No, I'm just curious. So yeah. go on then to the finish. Yeah, so then um, the finish was pretty cool. Um, wide open field. It blocked it off very nicely. I was able to sprint it in. My cousin took a video of me sprinting it in. And it was funny because you know how like sometimes you think you look really cool doing something and then you see the video of it and <laughs> it doesn't look so cool. <laughs> so I was sprinting it in and I figured she was videotaping and I tried to do long strides and you know really go for it and then afterwards I kind of realized I need to work on my <laughs> running posture. Why? What did it look like? Just kind of tiny little steps and lean back <laughs> when I was thinking I was doing long steps and leaning forward and really looking like a sprinter. So what was it like when you, uh, what was, what was the temperature of the race? So was it cold at the beginning? No, it was perfect temperature. I think it was in the fifties. It was really good for racing. That's good. And then finish wise, same thing. It's same pretty thing. comfortable. Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of wind on the course, but I mean, it's Oklahoma the day before it was worse. So it's kind of expected. Um, no yeah. rain. No, yeah, no rain. The rain stayed away. And then we, f I finished and there was a, like I said, I had to find the person to help me with changing my bib from a full to a half because it looked like I was still running <laughs> and they had to switch that. So then I collected my finisher shirt and then they had a little festival in a park. It's also a new park. Um, and that was kind of cool. They had a BQ bell, which is, you know, one of those bells you get to ring as a runner if you have a, Boston qualifier, I'm sorry, a PR bell. If you have a personal record, you get to ring the bell and you take a video and, and music and, and food and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It was cool. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I hope to be back next year. Um, just the experience with the expo, really cool. I hope to stay a little bit closer to the downtown area. And uh, hopefully I have a couple of friends, actually three friends, that all said that they would run the half marathon next year. And I guess we'll see <laughs> how that turns out. Since we're into making inaccurate predictions on this podcast, what are your predictions that your friends will come run with you next year? Um, honestly, I think out of three, I hope... One or two will do the 5K. Are you going to run the 5K then? Or are you going to run the full and they're going to run the five next next to you? I mean, I don't know if I'll run the full marathon. I have some other races that I'll probably want to do, including Boston. But I'll definitely do the half marathon again. If time allows for me to go back out there again. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I think, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to gauge, right? Because my friends are not runners. They probably ran in kindergarten. Um, I know. I just hard. It's just fun so to kind of guess. It's, it's hard. I want to be positive about it. But so we're doing the May challenge of having them run every single day of May 
a mile. And I guess I'll be a, you know, I'll be better to to make my decision on this bet yeah. after the end of May. You have to do a podcast on how to get your friends to run with you. That's a great idea, Ryan. So, yeah, so that's it from me. And now I'm going to play an interview I did with the race director of the Oklahoma City Marathon. And are you ready for that? Let's do it. All right. So I'm on here with Carrie Watkins, race director of the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. And thank you for your time. And I wanted to bring you on here because this race is very different from a lot of the other marathons that we see all throughout the country. This race has is a little bit deeper. And I would like for you to kind of take us through for the people who've never been to Oklahoma and are, you know, now that this event that happened in Oklahoma is more than 25 years ago, perhaps talk to us about what happened and then lead us through how this turned into a race. Well, we run for the, the, those who can't, the 168 people who were killed in the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, and the survivors and the first responders. The bombing was an attack on a federal building in downtown Oklahoma City, really an attack on the United States government and its people by two American soldiers um, who were disgruntled with the government and thought they would bring down government because of what they did. They thought every purposeful agency in the United States worked in this building, and they were. And by their bombing of the building and murdering of people, or the, as they called collateral damage is their own term, that they could make a difference. And in their martyring, wimpy way, they brought a country together like we hadn't seen. And on the second floor of the building was a daycare. And so 19 small children were 16 were killed in the daycare, but 19 small kids total were killed. And that united the country like that we hadn't seen in a long time. And um, it began to bring people together and make sure that together we can do anything. And that we've seen that now a couple of times since. And we keep reminding ourselves there's nothing we can't do when we're working together the same way. And so Several years ago, 22 years ago, uh, some runners in town who were running marathons all over the country said Oklahoma City needs a marathon, and we ought to do it for the memorial and the museum. And so they came to us with the with an idea and a proposal and some money, and they wanted to go put this race on in our honor. And they did that for 10, 12 years, and I was always on the board but and somewhat involved. But um, th then we moved it into one of our staff positions. And then the last 10 years, we've taken it solely on our own with the same great group of volunteers. We have about 2,500 volunteers or so, but some volunteers, about a dozen of them have been doing this for the entire 22 years. So, And then we bring younger people along and, and try to um, develop a run to remember that uh, along the course, you see their faces, you understand the mission of this race, you understand the meaning behind it and why it's so important. And it's about, it's, it's symbolic of a community coming together and working through its hardest times, pushing through the hard moments and rebuilding and remembering much like the training and, and participating in a marathon. That's beautiful. The analogy between going through what happened uh, those 25 years ago and what we do when we train for a marathon, the overcoming of hard times. Right. 
Okay. So you became the race director in what year you were on the board before you mentioned and what year was it that you turned race director? I think it was a, 10 years ago. 10 so, years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I've always been involved in the race. I mean, I helped create, you know, form it and work on it. I mean, I, it was a part of a team that worked on it and still part of a team that works on it. Right. So then obviously you're very familiar with what goes into the logistics. And I kind of just want to talk about that because this race is organized in a way that I can literally compare it to uh, the world major marathons. I've done a lot of marathons in the country, outside of the country, and the organization is just super great. So perhaps you can walk us through what, uh, how you get the community involved and what else is entailed in this. Well, I mean, we have committees. We have, for instance, our medical medical committee is chaired by one of the best doctors in town, co-chaired by a physical therapist who's phenomenal, and she's a great administrator. And then another co-chair is a guy who kind of is a logistics genius, and he handles the the parts and the you know the medical items. And I mean, just the three of them are an incredible team together. And so every committee is like that. And so when you look at the course or um you know the 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 way that we lay things out um or the course marshals or the medium public relations or the sponsorships those are all surrounded by people who come together and work on a project and then we're not scared to go get the very best as, as far as a vendor we'll go get the very best vendor we know in that field and we'll go get them and we're willing to pay them the price that, that they would make anywhere else. And then we want to make it a first class uh, run. I mean, the people who died here didn't go to war that day. They went to work. And in their memory, we put on what we hope is the, one of the best races in the country. And so we will do what we need to do to do that. And if that means spending more money, looking at different ways to do stuff, then we'll, we're willing to do that. We have an incredible expo, which you got to see Um we have a great kids marathon, a relay, a 5K, a half, and a full. And so between those five races, there's something everybody can run if they want to run. Yeah. And I can uh, kind of just go over that a little bit more. I completely agree with you. It seems like the swag that we get is very nice. Same with the shirts, even little details down to having the uh, survivor tree on the bib and the survivor tree is a tree that was the tree that remained, even though the building had collapsed. Is that correct? Yeah. So the tree was an American elm, a hundred year old American elm once behind a home in downtown Oklahoma city. And when the home was torn down, it was a parking lot the day of the bombing that tree burned in half, but did not break. And, and then the tree came out in full bloom just ahead of the first anniversary as president and Mrs. Clinton were coming to check on Oklahoma city, the tree bloomed. And today it stands on the highest point of the Columbus City National Memorial, standing guard over all the other elements of the memorial grounds. And it remains our symbol, our logo, our brand, as far as a tree of symbol, I mean, as a, as a symbol of resilience and strength. Yes. So that tree is on the bib, which makes the bib that's normally a rectangular shape different, which stands out makes it beautiful i also liked that you guys had the legend panel which included uh i know bart yasa wasn't invited unfortunately he couldn't make it and then you have dick beardsley dominay samuelson and bill rogers which that alone is 
worth and Marco, a trip. And Marco Chizetto, who's a young, you know, para athlete who's really good. Yeah, that's right. I met him at the, yeah. at the end of the race as well. Yeah. So they're all there speaking to an audience and it's just alone that is worth the trip to Oklahoma City. So that was very beautifully done. Well, um, you know, those guys helped start the race. I mean, they helped come out and get the race going in its first days. We hadn't used them in the last several years. And we thought when we got the race back to April, it was smart to bring them back. I loved how many people loved being around them. Um, that's always good. The other thing we added this year was a bell, which was something we had not done. Um, and so we, I'd seen it in Houston and it made me excited. So I checked with our fire chief to see if they had a bell from, you know, the fire firemen are used to bells. And ironically, they had a great um, bell that was used for on one of the trucks in 1995, one of the fire trucks had come to the site. And so out in the scissor tail park, uh, we had a PR bell that people could ring to celebrate their, their personal record. And um, it was remarkable to see the line of people line up and just how excited they were that they could ring the bell. And it's mounted on a piece of granite salvaged from the building. And it's just a very powerful moment, but it was, a you know, guarded by honored by firefighters and they got to celebrate with the runners. And it was a very popular uh, addition this year. Yes. Yes. I saw that. And I can, I can attest to it. When you hit that PR, it's nice to have that bell to ring. <laughs> yeah. So in regards to your course, I know that you had some few course changes over the years that you've had the marathon. Is this the course that you're going to have in the future as well? Or is it uh, something that's going to be changing? I think we will use it as long as we can. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll continue to watch and monitor the changing of the city, but uh, it, I would say it'd stay very similar to this course. We don't want to look to change the course every year if we don't have to. Right, right. And the course for uh, for our listeners, it's uh, not super flat, but it's rolling hills. It's nice. And then, of course, um, the weather is something that we cannot predict. So maybe you can talk about that a little bit. <laughs> well, we had a beautiful race day. If you ran on Sunday, if you ran the 5K, the kids on Saturday, you ran with the wind. If you're in Oklahoma City on Saturday night, chances are in your hotel or your home, you got to go into a safe place for a tornado warning. We're, we're used to that here, but if you're visiting from out of town, did, did you did the sirens go off at your hotel? It sure did. <laughs> and so we went to a safe, I was downtown at the hotel, we went to a safe space, and we waited for the storms to roll through. Um that's something that we probably get a little, little used to here, but it's unusual for visitors. And honestly, in all the races, I'm not sure we ever had to have a tornado drill. We've had rain, we've had wind, we've had down trees and getting the, we've had power out. We've gotten all that restored before the race. But um, I think this might've been the first year we actually had a tornado drill race weekend. Yes. That kind of added to Don't let that scare reason. you though. <laughs> Yeah, you can't let that scare you. So then for next year, do we have a date yet? And uh, also, what are you planning? Are you changing anything up? Is there anything that you are trying to add for next year? Next year's uh, April, the, it's the weekend of April 28th. So it's April 28th and the 30th. So it's actually the the marathons on the, on the 30th. Um, I mean, we'll we'll have an incredible weekend. Uh, we've got a lot to get done. We did, we had done our, 2021 race in October. So we technically organized and executed two marathons in six months, which I don't highly recommend. Um, it's a lot of work and uh, people are tired, but our numbers were you know near 14,000 for this and we'll continue to grow. 
And we'll get back to where we were pre-pandemic, which is about 24,000 people. And that's where we want. We hope we'll get there, if not this April, certainly by 2024. But we'd love to be there very soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you. I'm so glad you made the trip. I'm, I'm glad you ran the race. All right. Thank you, Carrie, again for coming on and speaking to us about this wonderful race of yours. Like I said, I hope to be back next year. And anything else, Ryan? Happy running. Happy running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.